This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. I'd rather see a sermon than to hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely tell the way. The eye is a better pupil, more willing than the ear. Fine counsel is confusing, but examples always clear. And the best of all the preachers are the men who live their creeds. For to see good put in action is what everybody needs. I soon can learn to do it if you'll let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. And the lecture you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lessons by observing what you do. For I might misunderstand you in the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. When I see a deed of kindness, I am eager to be kind. When a weaker brother stumbles and a strong man stays behind just to see if he can help him, then the wish grows strong in me to become as big and thoughtful as I know that friend to be. And all travelers can witness that the best of guides today is not the one who tells them, but the one who shows the way. One good man teaches many. Men believe what they behold. One deed of kindness noticed is worth 40 that are told. Who stands with men of honor learns to hold his honor dear. For right living speaks a language which to everyone is clear. Though an able speaker charm me with his eloquence, I say I'd rather see a sermon than to hear one any day. I think that you and I can readily agree with Edgar Guest and his ideas which have often been thought but never so well expressed. Nobody likes a hypocrite, one who professes one thing and then does something exactly the opposite. We get quickly fed up with this kind of person, don't we? I'm sure that Jesus' patience must have worn very thin when he saw people all around him who were only playing at their religion. They put on a good show before other people, but then when an opportunity came, for them to prove the depth, the sincerity of their faith, they miserably failed the test. Jesus said of these people, Outwardly you appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. That's Matthew 23, verse 28. Jesus also said, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? In his letter to the Romans, Paul uh, scolds the people by some very penetrating questions. Let me read just a few verses from Romans chapter 2, verses 21 through 23. Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, 
dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thy boast of the law, through breaking of the law, do you dishonor God? Dear folks who are listening to me, let me say very honestly, I do not come to you this morning claiming to be clairvoyant. I certainly do not have a hotline to God. But I believe I know one of the main reasons why so many of our churches these days are experiencing the spiritual anemic condition in which they find themselves. It is because the world is tired of seeing so-called Christians who parade in their robes of piousness, but whose lives are blatant contradiction of what they profess. I want you to hear me, if you can, very clearly this morning when I say that I am not taking a stand alongside those who stand off and throw stones at the church and its members, claiming they don't want to have anything to do with, quote, that bunch of hypocrites. No. If I had a choice, I would certainly choose to spend a few short years here on earth with a bunch of hypocrites and a church rather than to spend eternity in hell with them. But the fact remains that there's something dreadfully wrong with so many churches these days. And I do not believe that the fault lies in our Lord who established the church. The blame lies with us. We are not fruit-producing Christians. Too many of us are existing for our own benefit. We've returned to our self-centered life and have forgotten what Jesus said as recorded in John chapter 8, verse 31. If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Don't you agree with me that we and our churches these days are experiencing overwhelming outlay of effort, but at the same time we are receiving and, and realizing only meager evidences in return which prove that our lives are being transformed. During General Stonewall Jackson's famous Valley Campaign, it became necessary one night for him to get his army across a river. He gave orders to his engineers to make a way for the artillery and the wagons to cross the river. General Jackson also informed his wagon master, who was just a simple blacksmith, that he was to get the wagon train across that river just as fast as possible. Well, the engineers went to work in their usual expert manner to devise a bridge. But the humble blacksmith, knowing that something must be done, and done quickly, gathered some men together who roped together some logs and fence rails and improvised a bridge. Sometime between midnight and dawn, the blacksmith awakened General Jackson and said to him, General, we've got all the wagons and all the artillery across the river now, as you ask us to do. The astonished general said, but where are the engineers? The blacksmith replied, oh, sir, they're over there in a tent, still drawing pictures and planning a big, beautiful bridge. We've never had before so many experts sitting around drawing pictures, making plans, and telling us what's wrong with the world today. Every time you turn on the TV or pick up a newspaper or 
hear the radio or see something on your computer, uh, you get the message of some person, maybe a preacher, politician, or expert on human affairs, telling us what's wrong with the world today. What we need is a few humble blacksmiths who will get us across the river. Not necessary for you to wait for this for any church to elect you to some exalted position for you to do something for the Lord. And uh, God needs some people right now who are willing to do His work in a simple but sincere, everyday sort of way. People who don't care who gets the credit for what is done. God needs men who are willing to shoulder the responsibility of His work, who get out into the marketplace, into the business world, into your own homes, and show what a difference it can make when Christ is truly living every day in your life. One, sin, one song we don't sing very much, but it has a stanza in it. It says, Rise up, O men of God. Have done with lesser things. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of Kings. Rise up, O men of God. The church for you doth wait. Her strength unequal to the task. Rise up and make her great. Yes, God needs men. But also God needs women who will use their powerful influence in the world to advance the cause of righteousness and goodwill among his people. God needs women who are willing to give of themselves, of their time and energies, to join that smaller group of women who are almost overworked now, but who are receiving untold joys every day as they serve our Lord and his church in so many ways. Another hymn says it this way, Come, women, wide proclaim life through your Savior's, Savior's stain. Your love outpour for the sin-sick and worn, the weak and overborn, all who in darkness mourn. Pray, work, yet more. Yes, God needs women too. But oh, how desperately God needs young people today who are not willing to be caught up in the whirlpool of popular opinion, but who are willing to stand up and run the risk of being singled out as different for the cause of Jesus Christ. In the midst of a society which exerts all kinds of pressures upon you as a young person, as you're growing up in a crazy, mixed-up world which we older adults have given to you, God needs youth who will give of your best to the Master. Give of the strength of your youth. Throw your soul's fresh, glowing ardor into the battle for truth. Yes, God needs people, men, women, young people, today who will live consistent lives in a crooked and rotten world. The devil is very busy drawing beautiful pictures of how a person should live in cold, safe, complacent respectability. But God still needs some brave, committed blacksmiths who will practice the principles that Jesus taught and get us across the river. The condition of so many of our churches these days reminds me a great deal of the Israelites that day when they faced the Philistines. You know that story. The Philistines were people of unusual height. This was evidenced by one of their own men, a fellow whose name was Goliath. 
As he strutted back and forth, Goliath, Goliath made fun of the Israelites, God's people, saying that if they had any man who would come and fight him and win, then the Philistines would be their servants. I can just imagine that the most intelligent of all the Israelites spent the next few days discussing ways and methods to defeat Goliath and the Philistines. Now, I know the Bible doesn't say it like this, but I suppose there were some of those brains in the Israelite camp who may have wanted to conduct a survey or get an opinion poll among the troops or even do some extensive research to discover uh, how to defeat a giant in 10 easy lessons. But one day, little David came along, and it was all over. He said, God delivered me out of the paw of the lion and of the bear, and it looks like this big giant is just the next number for me to take on. David said, he, now he's talking about God now, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. You can read all about this in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And so the Bible records, so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. The cause of Christ today is at war with the forces of Satan and Goliath is on parade as we look here and there, we could almost shrink back in fear when we see the terrible power and the might that the devil has in this world today. One minister who works primarily, or did work, he's gone on to be with the Lord now, I think, but he worked primarily in large cities in our nation. He described the scene which takes place in one large city just after midnight. I'm not going to name the city, but these are that, that preacher's words. The underground crowd actually takes over the heart of the city after, after dark. Pale, sickly-looking homosexuals pour out into the street from their little one-room flop houses and cheap hotels. Teenage junkies hang around in the theater lobbies, exchanging their stolen dollars for drugs of all descriptions. Others roam the streets aimlessly, stoned out of their senses, Scantily clad prostitutes boldly grasp the arm of every passing man, trying to latch on to their next source of money. Dirty old men and sex-crazed students drift in and out of X-rated theaters and peep shows. Sadomasochists parade around, some with purple hair and cheeks pierced with safety pins. Expensive sport cars pull up to the curb, and the drivers brazenly purchase their drugs. The cops look the other way. Lesbians walk arm in arm, flaunting their perversion. Poor, sad-eyed perverts slouch back in theater seats to gape at films that feature blood, violence, mutilations, and torture of all kinds. Now, those words are very graphic, aren't they? They were written by David Wilkerson. And by the way, those words were written over 50 years ago. It's no secret that Satan has a large following today in many places, not only in large cities, but in every place where he's allowed to go. Goliath is on parade, but let us not forget that the battle is the Lord's 
and God cannot fail. And if you and I are to be on the winning side, then we will cast our lot with him. And how do we do this? Not by simply saying that we believe in God or by giving mental agreement to an idea, but rather by an inward commitment of life and heart to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is by surrender to Christ with no strings attached as he promises in return to give us, his followers, abundant and meaningful life. We become identified with Jesus in his way, not just by professing to be his followers, but rather by possessing him in our heart, or better still, by his possessing us. There's a crying need today for people who will bear fruit for the cause of Christ, for those whose personal, private living is consistent with their public profession of Christ. Paul wrote to Titus about people who profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him. That's Titus 1 verse 16. Jesus said in John 15, 8, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Many years ago I heard about a farmer who took a load of hay to the market to be sold. He drove his truck onto the scales for the hay to be weighed. And as was the practice, he got out of the truck to allow the hay to be weighed properly and fairly. But instead of getting off the scales, this particular farmer remained on the opposite side of the man who was weighing the hay. The farmer thought he was not seen by the man at the scales, but he allowed that attendant to weigh himself along with his load of hay he had brought. The attendant said nothing at the time, although he knew of the farmer's dishonesty. Later in the day, that attendant saw the farmer and he asked him, how much do you weigh? When the farmer told him, the attendant did some quick scribbling on a piece of paper and then he said, Mr., did you know that at the present rate of the cost of hay, this morning you sold yourself for 23 cents? When people look at our lives, if they see we're not practicing what we profess, then in reality we're selling ourselves for the gain of the world. And you know what the Bible says, and what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world? and lose his own soul. Recently I said in a sermon, a little poem, I'll close with, you're writing a gospel, a chapter each day, by the deeds that you do, by the words that you say. People read what you write, whether faithless or true. Say, what is the gospel according to you? Will you pray with me? Oh God, we confess that we've not always been true. We've professed, but we haven't practiced. Forgive us, Lord, for our shortcomings, our failures, our sins against you. And help us to have strength to stand for the cause of righteousness. Just not the whole world over, but in the world which you, in which you placed us. In our world, may we be a shining light. May we be salt and light as Jesus said his disciples should be. 
We thank you, Lord, that we can't do this in our own strength, but through Jesus Christ, we can do all things. He's the one who strengthens us. So give us that power, spiritual power, we pray, as we seek to live for Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.